0: Today on Blue 58, it's time to talk about a position that is almost pure fun, running backs. We can spend time wringing our hands over what they mean in the modern NFL, or we can just enjoy some phenomenal athletes doing some incredible things. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. very happy to be with you here for another episode. Running backs are a lot of fun. I said that in the intro, and I think that's going to be what I tried to get across in this episode. Before we talk about running backs, though, I want to follow up on two things Uh, from the last one when we talk about edge rushers, two players that have since, um, well, that we have to introduce into our conversation. Uh, Trevon Walker out of Georgia and Arnold Abichetti out of Penn State. Walker is a guy who absolutely should be in the conversation as a tier one edge rusher, except I'm not really sure what to do with him. So everything on the table, he meets the height, weight, speed thresholds on every imaginable draft board. He's a freak athlete, high nines relative athletic score, but he's not that productive. And part of that has to do with his role at Georgia. So what do you do with him? And the reason I didn't include him in the edge episode is it's not clear exactly what position he's going to play in the NFL. He's a lot like Rashawn Gary in that respect. What is he? Is he an edge rusher or is he a defensive lineman? And part of the problem is that he's about 277, 288 pounds or 280 pounds. He's a big guy and he'd be huge weight-wise, for an edge rusher. But Rashawn Gary was in that neighborhood too, and so was Zedarius Smith. So what, again, is he? Is he an edge rusher, or is he a guy that you want to kick inside and make into some wild and crazy three-technique defensive tackle? I don't know. That's why I didn't include him among the edge rushers. For our final evaluations, I'm going to include him among the edges and among the defensive linemen, because I think that's a conversation worth having. His production ratio of 0.77 obviously isn't good, but that's something we talked about with Rashawn Gary, too. Part of that is the way that he's used. There's so many freak athletes in Georgia's front that it's hard to get everybody the opportunity to rush the passer, and somebody just might have the skills to do something a little bit different, and I think that's where you end up with Walker. He just ended up being that kind of a guy. That's not to say he's not a great prospect, he obviously is. But going by the rubric that we have, he ends up being a tier two guy because he doesn't hit the productivity thing. That's not necessarily a slight against him. And and remember, we we take all of those grades such as they are with a grain of salt. But that's why I didn't bring him up in the last episode. He, he When you go off the source that we do for the top 400 players in the draft, CBS Sports has their ranking of top 400 guys. It's the easiest to access. That's why we use that one. They have him listed as a defensive lineman. My point is people's opinions can vary and Walker's the kind of guy where you really have to sit down and think, okay, how are we going to use this guy? Can he develop into an edge? Do we want him inside? That's a conversation worth having with a guy who's as athletic as he is, kind of like Rashawn Gary. Epiketti, meanwhile, uh, we do have to talk about exclusively as an edge. He was an edge prospect. He just hadn't had his pro day when we were talking about edges last time around He's going to be a tier one guy for us. Six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds, nine one relative athletics or production ratio of one point four six, rounding that up to one point five because we did for everybody else. We did rounding, so he rounds up and just hits the the one point five threshold that we use for the tier one guy. So if you like athleticism and productivity, he's your guy. Uh, he's got the whole package. One of the more solid prospects by our numbers that we use, but if size matters to you a guy who's just six foot two might be a bit of a problem for you. It's not a big deal for me. Brian Burns makes it work. Clay Matthews made it work as a guy who's not necessarily the the tallest in the world. It can be done. And when you're a great athlete like Epiketti is, well, you make up for that. So Clay Matthews is my comp there. Speed, speed, speed guy off the edge. Not necessarily the biggest in the world, but that doesn't always matter. Okay, running backs, the point of the episode for today. Circling again back to the intro, running backs are fun. They are fun. Even if you are the most die-hard running backs don't matter person, and I am not, you can't deny there's a lot of enjoyment to be derived from running backs. Specifically, the different kinds of running backs there are in the league. Just look at what the Packers have. They've got the willowy, fast Aaron Jones, and they've got the athletic sledgehammer that is A.J. Dillon. Both of them are successful running backs, but both of them succeed in very different ways. Look throughout the league. There are all kinds of different body types at running back. Derrick Henry, the epitome of the dump truck, sledgehammer, pure power, runaway freight train running back, even if you hate running the football, if you think it's the most inefficient thing in the world, I defy you to not get excited when you see Derrick Henry breaking away, bearing down on some poor 185-pound defensive back with all but murderous intent in his eyes. I mean, that's just the purest essence of football. How do you not get excited about that? Running backs remind me of a situation we had at a car dealership once. And I used this when we, we talked about the drafting of, of A.J. Dillon. Running backs are a lot like cars. They're trying to get you someplace. And relative to flying, if you're going on a long trip, they're a pretty inefficient way to get there. But running backs, like a lot of sports cars, can be really cool. It was late 2019 and we were looking for a car. We needed a new one. We had some pretty specific things in mind. Had to have a, a bunch of cargo space, um, had to uh be very safe because we we had just had our first kid not that long ago. Uh we were looking for all-wheel drive, looking for all the standard relatively young suburban couple with kid a kid and probably more in the future sort of vehicle. We're looking for an SUV, okay? But there was this car. Well, there's been a car for me for a long time. Early 2000s, Ford released an updated version of their Thunderbird. And for whatever reason, maybe it was just the age, maybe it was, I don't know what it was about it. But there was something about that car that always appealed to me. And it had to be red. Red, hard top, updated Ford Thunderbird convertible. That was it. And after a long time of shopping for a car, we knew we had one we wanted. We were on our way to the dealership to buy it. And we walk onto the lot that way and w- that day. And what is parked next to the car that we had picked out? A red Ford Thunderbird hardtop convertible. Nearly the same price. And there was a part of me for a second that was like, you know. It could work. There is a backseat here. Even knowing it's impractical, even knowing it, it was a stupid thing to do, There is a part of me that was like, the sports car does make sense, you know. There is a, it, we could get it. We could have that car. Right now, today, we could have it. We could take it home with us. And that, to me, is kind of the appeal of running backs. They're the sports car when the sensible option is there. But sometimes you just need someplace, something that's going to get you from one place to another. Maybe you just need a couple of them. Maybe you need a couple Honda Accords in your garage. But that doesn't mean that you can't splurge on a sports car now and then. And maybe that was A.J. Dillon for the Packers with that draft pick. Let's find some sports cars in this draft class. Overall impressions... Seems pretty solid top to bottom class wise. I wouldn't be at all surprised if someone from the top end of our list, athletically wise, um, ends up with the Packers. Kylan Hill, I think, is hardly a, a certainty going into this year. The Packers sure have Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. But as we've talked about before, A.J. Dillon, or uh, excuse me, Aaron Jones is probably looking at his last year with the Packers this year, uh, given how his cap number spikes next year, just given his age. You've got to be backfilling that position, and the Packers probably should be looking at at adding somebody else to the pipeline at some point here, not necessarily in the draft, but maybe, maybe an undrafted free agent. And as we've seen with Patrick Taylor before, going through this process can help us unearth some of those undrafted free agent options. How do we identify a good running back? Our methodology here is pretty simple. There are three tiers of prospect that we look at. First and foremost, as we always say, guys that are athletic and productive. How do we define athleticism and productivity? Well, it's a little bit different than some other draft positions. For athleticism, we use speed score at running back instead of relative athletic score. Speed score is an adjusted um, metric metric measuring your 40-yard dash time relative to your weight. I like to use this because I think your running back should be mass movers. I don't want, I don't want guys that are like um, Tavon Austin, guys that are fast but just so small that they break apart when you touch them. You've got to have some beef to you if you're going to be a successful running back in the NFL. And a speed score of 100 or more typically gives us a running back who's got some muscle— but can still move pretty fast. Productivity. Uh, There is some minor correlation statistically between touchdowns scored per game in college and NFL success. So just to weed out guys that did not get in the end zone a whole lot, I set a threshold of 0.75 touchdowns per college game. I also want a guy who's at least a little bit of a receiving threat. So we set a screener threshold there of one catch per game in college. Just looking for some guys who have been used at receiver at least a little bit. That's important. A.J. Dillon did not hit this threshold in college, but he kind of proves the rule too. Just because he didn't do it in college doesn't mean he can't. It just means you have to look a little bit deeper. And right off the bat, a guy like uh, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State is is going to be the exception there. He did not get the ball through the air a whole bunch, but uh, we've got a special category for guys like him too. So productive and athletic, that's our tier one guys. Second tier guys are athletic receivers, so speed score of 100 plus and one reception per game. I figure if you're going to fudge on anything, let it be the scoring. Sometimes touchdowns can be a little bit capricious. Maybe they don't come your way. Maybe you just don't get the opportunities to score in particular parts of the field. That's fine. Then tier three guys, and we say tier three with a bit of an asterisk here um, because I, I think the tiers matter less for running backs than any other position. But tier three guys are guys that I'm, I'm going to just start calling monsters. These are guys that have a speed score of 110 plus and a relative athletic score of nine plus. So we bring relative athletic score back in for this one and we bump up the threshold for speed score because we're looking for just guys that are ultra athletes and big because if they're not going to hit the production threshold, let's just find the most monstrous athletes that we can and see if we can find a way to use them. As with edge rushers, we're going to stick to just an in-depth discussion of the tier one guys, uh, but I will also mention uh, some of the monsters at the end too. So tier one guys, alphabetically by last name, starts with a bit of a wild card here. Max Borgie out of Washington State. 5'9", 210-pound, speed score of 101.5, about as productive as it gets as a receiver. 156 catches, most in the class among running backs. He is pretty much just a spread runner, and I think that could be of interest to the Packers given how often historically they've run out of shotgun and how often they like to use wide zone stuff, which I think is, is pretty conducive to a guy with that sort of shotgun running skill set. I don't think he's an ideal fit for the Packers, though he does meet our thresholds. He kind of reminds me of the receiving version of Alex Green from a few years back. Well, a few years back, getting to be a while back now. Ten years ago, Alex Green, the Packers took him out of Hawaii. Big-bodied running back ran out of spread stuff exclusively at Hawaii and was wildly productive doing so, but I think struggled to to adapt to the NFL game a little bit, and then had a horrific knee injury that basically ended his career. But if you're looking for an athletic dude who's fairly big, though not all that tall, with some receiving skills and good overall athleticism, Borgie could be, be your guy. He's definitely a day three pick or undrafted free agent prospect. Uh, maybe a special teams option if you're looking for some long straight line speed. Jerome Ford's our next prospect out of Cincinnati. 5'10", 210 pounds, uh, speed score of 106. For some reason, I've always kind of liked leggy running backs. They seem extra elusive for some reason. Maybe it's just how they look on tape. He is one of those. All arms and legs when he runs, the elusiveness shows through his abilities in that area. If you're going to quibble with him a little bit as a prospect, he looks a little bit smaller than his numbers. And maybe it's just being 210 pounds at 5'10 that makes him look a little bit a little bit lighter than that, but he does kind of look like an Aaron Jones body type. Certainly has some mass, but it's a it's a little bit spread out. So if you're if you're going to throw up some concerns about durability, he he might have some. Just looking at the body type there. Still, overall, seems like a very good overall productive prospect. Brees Hall, out of Iowa State, next up might be the best prospect in the class. It's between him or the next guy on our list. Uh, for me at least. Um, in terms of well-rounded prospects, maybe if you're looking for just the pure athletic monsters, there may be somebody a little bit more to your taste. Uh, but Hall seems to seems to have it all. Uh 5'11", 217 pounds, so checks the size boxes easily. 116.8 speed score. You like big-bodied backs, 217 pounds should do it for you. You like receiving backs, 734 receiving yards on 82 catches in college. Honestly, there's very little to dislike about him. He's about as well-rounded as it gets in this class. Pro Football Focus compared him to Matt Forte, which does a lot for me. I really liked him as a player despite him playing for the Chicago Bears. Just love the skill set there. If you're the kind of person who worries about touches and, you know, wear and tear on your body in college, he did have 800 touches already in college. So that may be a little bit of a concern for you. Maybe it eases your mind to know that I did a, a study, a small study a couple of years back and didn't find a whole lot of correlation between long-term productivity in the NFL and the amount of college touches you have. Most running backs in the NFL tend to be one-contract guys anyway. So the amount of... of um the uh, the amount the number of times you touch the ball in college really doesn't matter all that much because generally you're going to get used up in the NFL anyway. It, that's a really kind of dispiriting way to look at NFL football, but that's kind of just the way it is at the at the running back position. You you are there to to get used up. Uh you're going to have a lot of wear and tear. You're going to be in a small car accident on every single play that you touch the ball and and sooner or later that's going to going to run you down. If I have a bit of a concern about Hall, it's that his speed doesn't necessarily look the same as his numbers. He looks like more of a long runway guy. It takes him a while to build up speed, at least when you when you look at him on film. Not a super explosive speed guy, more long speed. But on the other hand, 4.39 in the 40-yard dash is kind of hard to fake. So what do I know? He looks to me a little bit like James Starks, but not as tall. If Starks was three inches shorter, he'd be a guy like Brees Hall. Uh, If Brees Hall is not your guy, maybe I could introduce you in the slightly smaller version of Brees Hall. Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State, 5'11", 207 pounds, 113.5 speed score. He did play at a smaller school, but dominated while he was there. Almost a touchdown per game on average, 1.75 catches per game. However, that cuts both ways. You can say, well, he dominated at a small school, but it was a small school. Can he do it at the next level? He also is a little bit stiffer as a runner, and as a result, I would make his comp with the Packers a guy like Sam Gatto, for the stiffness, not the body type. Gatto was an athletic blunt instrument. Bam, 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 bam. Hammers away and eventually breaks a big run because he is just so fast and strong. Thomas is kind of that, but with a pair of hands. Certainly not as big as a guy like Gatto was, but athletic, straight ahead, a little bit stiff, but he can catch the ball. Brian Kobach out of Toledo kind of falls into a similar um, trap as Borgie uh, from from a couple minutes ago, I think. He's our next prospect here. Six feet tall, 210 pounds, 103 speed score. Again, dominating competition. 1.18 touchdowns per game in college. That kind of productivity is hard to fake. But I wonder if at a program like Toledo, he's a kind of somebody's got to do it player. This is going to be an example from a different sport. uh, But Ryan Rossillo, formerly of ESPN, now of The Ringer, uh, has had a great observation over the past couple of years on scoring in the NBA. A lot of people like to point to a guy averaging 20 points per game or 25 points per game and say that is evidence of him being a good player. And to a certain extent, that is true. You got to be a pretty good athlete. You got to be a pretty good player to put up that kind of number in the NBA on a night in, night out basis. But a lot of guys are doing that on bad teams. And a lot of times the reason a guy does that on a bad team is that there's nobody else to do it. If you got a team full of players who, on a scale of 1 to 10, are all rated 4 or 5s, and you're the only 6, you're going to get the ball. And you're going to be the res- the guy responsible for putting the ball in the hoop. Because somebody's got to do it if you're going to have any chance of winning in the NBA. And not every team is going to be a contender, but if you at least want to seem competitive, you've got to get the ball to your best guy. And if your guy is, is a six on the teams of fours and fives and threes, well, he's going to get all the shots and he's going to put up 25 points a game every night. He wouldn't do it on a contender and he wouldn't do it on even like a mid-level team. But since you're a team full of bums, well, your B-plus player is going to get it done for you. Kobach seems a little bit like that. He's a good athlete, sure. He's productive, sure. But on teams like Toledo, somebody's going to pile up the stats, and it just happens to be him. So if you're looking for Packers comps, sure, he meets the thresholds. Sure, he's productive. But I I think I'm circling back to a guy like Alex Green. He's a bigger-bodied guy who is productive maybe because of circumstances more than his individual talent. I would have some concerns about drafting a guy like him, even though he ends up as a tier one prospect through the system that we use. Finally, the most, I think, interesting prospect in this class that I've found, Rashad White out of Arizona State. White is six foot two, two hundred and fourteen pounds, has a speed score of one oh six point two, was very, very productive in Arizona State or at Arizona State in a relatively short amount of time. 15 games. That's pretty short in terms of college career, but he's got it all. Size, productivity, overall athleticism, did it in a pretty good conference. There's a lot to like there. But with just 15 games under his belt at a major college level, there's some concern there, I think. What's the deal with his career? He played junior college ball prior to being at Arizona State. He looks a little bit unrefined in his game, but hey, there's a lot to like there too. Pro Football Focus had an interesting description of him. They called him a project at running back, a rare project at running back. How often do you see a guy described as a project running back? I can't really ever recall seeing something like that because running back is, and I don't mean this to take away from any of the highly skilled players in the NFL or or even at college football, but running back is not a skill position in the same way that other skill positions are skill positions. If I can stack three skill positions on top of each other there. It's more athleticism than just about any other position on offense, might be more than any position on offense. But this guy, even if you watch his highlight tapes, looks like a guy who's still figuring it out at running back. He's six feet tall, 214 pounds, runs a 4-4-8-40. And you can see how he, how he uses that athleticism to just overwhelm his opponents. He's just a big guy. And you can see that he doesn't necessarily have a feel for running the ball in the same way that a lot of other running back prospects do. He's kind of, to me, like a combo of Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill. You can see that in a lot of ways, he just hasn't put it all together yet. Maybe he just hasn't had the opportunity, but he's so intriguing as an athlete that it's really hard um, hard to ignore him. So those are our tier one guys. Tier 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 two guys, we'll just run down some names here. Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers, Treston Ebner out of Baylor, Keontae Ingram out of USC, James Cook out of Georgia, Tyler Goodson out of Iowa, and Tyler Beatty out of Missouri. Of that list, uh, for whatever reason, Goodson out of Iowa seems to jump out at me the most. A little bit on the smaller side, but very, very speedy. Uh, and very good receiving wise. Two catches per game on average over his NFL or over his college career. Our monsters, we've got four of them. Devontae Price out of Florida International University. A lot to like here, too. Uh, big guy, 6'1, 210 pounds, ran run a 4'3'8'40. Um, a lot of speed to burn there, uh, but did not back it up with a whole lot of productivity. Master Teague, the third out of Ohio State. Uh, I mean, in terms of names really hard to beat there. Again, not super productive, even with all that athleticism, but 225 pounds and running a 4 40 is going to turn some heads. Another third, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State, probably the most decorated back in this class. 5'9-211 pounds, 4-3-8-40 there too. Uh, a narrow miss on on some of the productivity stuff, and he didn't do much at all as a receiver, just nineteen catches in his career, but he didn't have to. He was just so productive on the ground that they, they said, why even bother? And finally Zamir White uh, out of Georgia rounding out our our list of, of monster athletes. And again, a 4-4 flat, 40-yard dash guy at 214 pounds. A lot to like there too. So that's our running back class. Those are our sports cars. Who knows if any of them actually end up having a big impact in the NFL? Honestly, for a lot of these guys, in terms of enjoyment watching them play football, it doesn't really matter because a bunch of them are going to put up highlight reel plays, whether they have long NFL careers or not. And I think it's worth keeping an eye on the, the super-duper athletes as well as the guy who were athletic and productive in college as well. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you tuning in. i appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with somebody you think would like it even if you're just saying hey this guy knows nothing about the NFL draft look at him ramble for 25 minutes that's fine uh, i fully admit that the draft is not my wheelhouse so i try to come up with at least an interesting way of looking at it and hopefully this is interesting to you as we go through this process it means a lot that uh, you want to continue to follow along with us in the off season and and have some conversations about the uh, the NFL draft as we as we run up to it because having those kind of conversations is what's going to help all of us including me, maybe especially me, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.